Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 28. And I want to preach from this uh, great text that has some powerful truth for us all here today. Some of you may have read the book called The Terrible Hours. It was a book about a submarine disaster, the sinking of the USS Squalus. It was actually a brand new submarine. They were on one of their uh, first, if not the first, uh, uh, test runs to test the various systems in this submarine. And uh, while they're on this test run, the submarine sank. They had some kind of a a malfunction or a breakdown in one of the systems. uh, uh, And it sank uh, in over 200 feet of water all the way to the bottom of the ocean. It's a a 300-foot-long submarine. And so these 90 men are now entombed in this uh, submarine 200-plus feet below the bottom of the ocean And all of their systems began to break down. And as they're in this position and in this situation, all of life was reduced to one single issue, and that was communication. Somehow, they have got to break through. They have to communicate with those on the surface. It's going to be virtually impossible to locate where they are exactly unless somehow they can break through and communicate with those on the surface. All of life, all of life was reduced down to that one single component. Nothing else mattered. Every one of us here in this tent this morning is in just as desperate a situation, at least in regard to one thing, and that is the need that you have to hear from God. The problem is that many of us don't realize that we are in a desperate situation And in life, there is no substitute for this. And it isn't very difficult. It doesn't seem to take very much for the life of a pastor, a disciple, or a Christian to be reduced to carrying on with some of the functional procedures of what it means to be a Christian. We're still going to church. We may even still be going to prayer meeting. We are still involved in functional, and everybody would identify us as a believer, as a member of a church, etc. But there is the missing element that we're not hearing from God. There may even very well be pastors sitting here today that you are losing or you have lost the spiritual dimension that should be the framework and the substance. Your life should be all about hearing from God. That should be the centerpiece of your spiritual life and your ministry. But how many times is a pastor's life reduced to carrying on with the functional procedures? And this element is missing. We are not hearing from God. I read another submarine disaster. I don't know what it is about me. I like reading disaster stories. This was the sinking of the SR-5. And this... Uh, 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 a submarine sunk in such a way uh, 
that the bow of the ship was on the bottom of the ocean and the stern uh, was, uh, it was sticking straight up and down, in other words. And when one of the men in this submarine, uh, 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 he needed some tools, and so he went into the stern of the ship, uh, and he heard water sloshing on the outside, and they discovered uh, that there was about two feet or so of the submarine sticking out of the surface of the ocean. Uh, and this happened, I think, in about 1919. Uh, and so they began to drill with a hand drill uh, through three-quarter-inch plate steel uh, in order to try to break through and communicate. It took them two days uh, to make a Six by eight inch hole uh, that they could stick a 20 foot pole out of with a t-shirt on the end of it uh, in order for them to communicate uh, with the outside world. And the point that I want to make here this morning, uh, if you hear nothing else, uh, I want you to hear a tone of desperation that if you are going to hear from God, you're going to have to be like those men in that submarine and you're going to have to be desperate for it. The message this morning is called, Can You Still Hear From God? And I want to read from 1 Samuel chapter 28 about the tragedy of King Saul's inability to hear from God. Let's begin reading. We're just going to read a couple of verses right now, and I'm going to refer to some others as I minister this morning. 1 Samuel 28, beginning in verse 3. Now Samuel had died... And all Israel lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. But when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. And then Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, In fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. And so Saul disguised himself and went and put on other clothes. And he went and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night. And he said, Please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one whom I shall name to you. I want to talk to you first of all this morning about the frightening possibility. And the frightening possibility is to live your life carry on your ministry, have some success even perhaps, and not be hearing from God. It is very easy to allow for your life in ministry to drift from a supernatural dimension, from the activity of going through what is necessary to hear from God, it is very easy to drift from that into a carnal level. God's touch and God's anointing is on the man and on the individual that hears from God. But the man who is not hearing from God may very well have gifting. He may very well have ability. 
He may very well have talent and skill, but there's not going to be a significant dimension of supernatural power and ability and fruitfulness in his life. And the ministry of a man that is not hearing from God is built on a house of cards, and it is the difference between human ability and human engineering and manipulation. It's the difference between that and a supernatural dimension that brings the result of fruitfulness in your life. And sometimes uh, you can't tell the difference between the two. Uh, great skill, ability, and talent, uh, etc. can all be substituted sometimes for the supernatural dimension and necessity of hearing from God. Now what's interesting about our text is that it even goes a step further from that. It's possible to be in a place where God is not going to speak to you, even if you are desperate for it. Here we have King Saul, and we have all the components for a miracle to take place. The children of Israel have been caught off guard. The enemy has mounted an assault. How many times in the past uh, has that happened? They prayed, cried out, uh, and God wrought a tremendous victory. Uh, but here is Saul. The Bible says uh, that when Saul inquired of the Lord, uh, the Lord did not answer him. I want to know. I don't know about you, but I want to know why that is and how that happens. And what we have in the life of Saul is a manifestation of what happens to a man or a woman, a Christian, when they are not hearing from God. And there are three manifestations that I want to focus on for a moment. The first is that when you are not hearing from God, you are going to wallow in your own carnality. You can lose the spiritual dimension to your life. In the illustration of these submarines, what gives these men hope? They are in a desperate situation. But once they break through, even before they're rescued, even when things look pretty bleak, as long as they're in contact, there is hope. They can have a vision for their families and for uh, a return to the outside world, as it were, and to getting uh, uh, their lives back. But when there is no contact, when they cannot break through, there is only despair and hopelessness and discouragement. You become vulnerable to giving up and quitting. And there are cases even when people that get in these desperate situations and they see no hope because they can't make contact that they'll actually commit suicide before the end. Because they can't make contact. I've seen people commit spiritual and ministerial suicide when one timely word from God would have salvaged the situation. How many came to conference a little bit suicidal? But you're not now because you have heard from God. God has spoken to your life. And when God begins to communicate, even when you're desperate, hope begins to build again. Your vision begins to be renewed and restored. Uh, you might still be encased in this submarine, uh, but at least now there's hope. Uh, and when you're in communication with God, when He's able to speak to your life, 
There's always hope for breakthrough, but when that communication is cut off for whatever reason, you end up in the despair of your own carnality. Billy Graham was asked in the 1960s during the, uh, the infamous God is Dead movement. This was a movement that was uh, uh, fostered in the 60s. People began to say that if God was alive, there wouldn't be war or poverty or disease or all of this chaos. And so God must be dead. There are even pictures of churches that put signs in their front lawns that said God is dead. And so some reporter asked Billy Graham, Billy Graham, aren't you discouraged about the state of affairs in the world, all the war, all the poverty, all the violence. Uh, do you really believe that there's a God? People are even saying now that God is dead. And Billy Graham said, I certainly do believe in God. I just spoke to him this morning, and he's very much alive. <laughs> you can process any amount of dysfunction in your life, as long as you're hearing from God. Secondly, if you're not hearing from God, you're going to flounder without certain direction in your life. There's nothing worse than a ministry that is framed in uncertainty. Just because you're hearing from God, it doesn't mean you're always going to hit a home run. There's the human factor that's always a part of our lives. But not hearing from God means that you're going to consistently strike out. And a congregation cannot be sustained and it cannot remain on the cutting edge with too low of a batting average. You need to hear from God and you need to hear from God consistently in order to drive and in order to steer and in order to lead your congregation. When people come to church, they need to have the sense that they're stepping onto holy ground. And when you preach, they are going to hear from God. Acts chapter 10, when Cornelius had sent for uh, the apostle Peter to come, and when he arrived, he said these words, So I sent uh, to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things uh, commanded you by God. Uh, and people need to have that sense uh, about your ministry. Uh, they need to have a confidence uh, that you are in contact with God. And when you preach, they are going to hear from Him. People need direction for their lives. Congregations need to be directed. And there needs to be a sense that God is driving the direction of the church through your ministry. You don't need to just get up and preach sermons. You need to get up and be an oracle of God and speak for God and speak a timely word that will direct and help and save and deliver and heal and salvage a situation. Without hearing from God, you will flounder in uncertainty without direction. And thirdly, you're going to become desperate when you're not hearing from God and you're going to begin to look to other sources for help. In our text, King Saul is in a pathetic state of affairs. This is a man that had known God. He had heard from God. He had been in relationship with God. He had prophesied. He'd been changed and transformed by a miracle of God. 
Some of the best verses in 1 Samuel uh, are chapter 10 where it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord uh, will come upon you, Saul, and you'll prophesy, and you'll be turned into another man. And so it was uh, that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, uh, that God gave Saul another heart. uh, And all of those signs came to pass that day. And so here's a man uh, that was transformed uh, miraculously by the hand of God, plucked out of obscurity, uh, chosen and called of God. And now he's in a pathetic circumstance where he needs to hear from God, but God won't speak to him. And he immediately gravitates to a substitute. What is so interesting here is this. And I think this plays out in so many situations and circumstances. I've seen it myself and so have you. When you are not hearing from God you will begin to consult the very things that you once judged. In the beginning of our text, the Bible says that Saul put out all the mediums from the land. He banished them. He judged them. And he separated them. And now when he goes to hear from God, he goes to praise not hearing from God. And so it becomes an option to go to these mediums and to solicit them. Because when you're not hearing from God, you're going to consult what you once judged. The majority, I would say, of our departed brethren have done this very thing. The religious world that they once preached against. The religious insanity is now what they have embraced. I remember hearing one of the best sermons I ever heard on discipleship uh, was on the uh, 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 gender-driven nature of discipleship, uh, that a man has to be a pastor because a woman cannot disciple men unless you're going to end up with a bunch of girly men then. But the leader, leadership is male-oriented, and a church has to be driven uh, by the ministry and the influence of a man. Uh, This individual preached that sermon uh, that that, uh, discipleship uh, is gender-driven. This is why in our fellowship uh, we do not have, uh, nor do we make room for women preachers. Today, this same individual is inviting them to preach in his pulpit. Because when you're not hearing from God... You're going to gravitate to those very things that you once judged in your desperation to try to get some direction and some identity for your life. I want to talk with you secondly about what you need to do in order to hear from God. The first thing is that there has to be an undercurrent of desperation in your life. Hearing from God is not a passive activity. It is not going to happen just because you're sitting here this morning. You could be here and God could make an effort to speak to you, but you're not hearing. There has to be an undercurrent of desperation I couldn't help but take note of. When Pastor Campbell on Tuesday night finished his sermon powerful message. God was speaking. God was moving. I was sitting over here on the side and I bowed my head when he said heads bowed. And then he hesitated for quite some time. So I looked up and I must have seen a hundred people walking out. 
And I don't know if he was cognizant of that or his hesitation was because of that. But it struck me. Do you all have to go tinkle that bad? Are you in some sort of distress? Or I don't think that's the case at all. I think some people, uh, the message is over. Uh, I've done my time in the seat. Uh, I'm going to go take a walk now. I remember many years ago when we used to go, Pastor Mitchell used to take us to these uh, religious conferences. And I remember we were used to when your head's bowed and eyes closed, that was the most serious part of the service. This is the altar call. You better not move. And I remember when we're in the uh, auditorium there, somebody was preaching, and uh, it came time to bow our heads, uh, and all you could hear uh, was the chatter uh, of two or three or four hundred people out in the foyer of the church uh, that were talking, and they were not there to hear from God. That was not the posture of their life. They weren't there to get direction. There was no desperation. And my question to you this morning is, why are you here this morning at this conference? If you didn't come here with a desperation to hear from God, God, I have to hear from you this week. I have to hear from you this morning. I want you to speak to my life through every message, every time we gather together, every altar call. God, I must hear from you. Without this kind of desperation, you'll not consistently be able to hear God's voice. And without this desperation, you are missing the point of this conference. This conference is not about fellowship. It's not about being a sponsored delegate and having a free hotel room and food. It's not about getting a break from the pressures of life. This conference and the centerpiece of it is coming to hear from God. Amen. And I don't understand pastors who do not answer altar calls at conference. Disciple, what are you here for? A sponsored week in a hotel room and some food? Job said, God, I need your word more than my necessary food. This is the centerpiece. And if we become passive at conference when it comes to hearing from God, we are missing it. We are losing it. We are going to flounder in carnality, in uncertain direction. And eventually, because you're not hearing from God, and you're going to end up at some point at the bottom of the ocean in a submarine, you're going to cry out and, and, and you're going to reach out to some unworthy substitute. And you're going to be the kind of person that says, oh, the fellowship, I tried that, doesn't work. No, the issue is uh, you didn't position yourself to hear from God. So there are three things that you need to do to hear from God. First of all, if you're going to hear from God consistently in your life, you're going to have to live clean. Saul was a compromiser. And it's not a mystery why God wasn't speaking to his life. His compromise started with a lot of little things. And it grew to a point uh, where his compromise uh, had swallowed up his ability uh, to hear from God. My father 
recently had a uh, medical condition. He's 89 years old. Uh, he recently had a medical condition where uh, fluid began to interfere uh, with his ability to hear. Uh, and the doctors had to go in, and, and it's taken several months to uh, go through the process of cleansing out uh, uh, this uh, fluid that doesn't belong there uh, that is interfering with his ability to hear. Uh, and this is exactly what happens to a uh, believer. Uh, when you begin to compromise, nobody may know. It may be something inside your heart. Nobody's watching. But you don't understand that you are beginning to leak fluid into your ability to hear from God. I remember Pastor Warner, I may have mentioned this before, but I remember Pastor Warner saying something in my church a number of years ago that struck me. And he said that there are people in his church and in every church that never answer altar calls. What is it with that? What is it with that? Many times you're dealing with someone who has begun to compromise and they are not moved by the Word of God. Saul ignored the Word of God so long and so much that now that he needs to hear from God, he can't because you can't mix the two. You can't compromise holiness and righteousness and, and uh, 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 purity. You can't compromise those things and hear the voice of God at the same time. And when you don't live clean, what you end up doing is you end up pretending to be a Christian. You've lost the substance. If you're going to hear from God, you have to contend for personal holiness and obedience. You need to maintain a sharp cutting edge to your conscience. You need to never lose the ability to judge yourself. Amen. If all you're doing is waiting till somebody catches you out, you're missing it. You're going to have to learn to judge your wrong attitude. You're going to have to learn to judge uh, what's going on inside of your life and say, you know what, uh, this isn't right, this isn't clean, uh, this isn't obedience, uh, this isn't pleasing to God. Uh, the inability to do that results in an inability to hear from God. First Timothy says, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, love, faith, patience, and gentleness. Are you doing that? Are you pursuing righteousness? Righteousness is another thing that is not passive. If you're going to be righteous, uh, and if you're going to possess internal holiness, uh, you're going to have to pursue it uh, aggressively because all of us know the natural tendency of the human heart is towards sin. If you're passive, you gravitate toward carnality. You have to be ruthless and radical when it comes to the pursuit of holiness in your life. I have a method of cleaning up my yard. I'm not into yard work. But every once in a while, you've got to do it before a neighbor calls the city officials and said, look, we got this neighbor, uh, and he's, he's, it's making the whole neighborhood. It's downgrading our property value. And so my method is to go and do the front yard first. Make that look nice for the sake of all the neighbors so that when somebody drives by, they'll look and say, oh, what a beautiful house. That person must be very conscientious and diligent about their yard. But when I finish my front yard, I quite often run out of gas and lose my motivation. And so what I do then is I walk through my front gate. My house is surrounded by a very high stone wall. I can walk through my gate into a death zone and close the gate 
and nobody will be the wiser. Nobody sees what's on the other side of the wall. All they see what's in the front uh, is what is on the front. Uh, and it's not very hard to become just like that, uh, where your Christianity is reduced to appearance, uh, consciousness, uh, and you've let go of the area that nobody sees. If you do that, you're not going to hear from God. To hear from Him, you have to live clean. Secondly, you have to contend for a servant's heart. Saul over the years, had grown into a completely selfish and self-absorbed man. Life and his present calamity was only about himself. That was all that he was concerned about. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, the Bible says he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. He's not afraid for the people, he's afraid for himself. He's not going to God and say, Oh, Lord, uh, your people are in jeopardy. Uh, they are defenseless, Lord. Uh, what are we going to do? How can we help them? How can we serve them? He didn't do that at all. And when he finally has an opportunity uh, to uh, speak his mind, uh, the Bible says in verse 15 of the chapter that we read, Now Samuel said to Saul, uh, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed, uh, for the Philistines make war against me. And God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets. Uh, therefore, I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. He has no servant's heart. He's selfish. He's self-absorbed. He has no burden for people. It's not voiced here. He has no concern for what might happen to them. When you genuinely care for people and you're willing to lay your life on the line for them, you have the kind of heart that God will speak to and that God wants to speak to. But if it's all about you and your agenda and your problems and me and I and this, if, if it's all about that, don't be surprised if when you get desperate, God doesn't answer. That's why we've heard a few times referenced in this conference. You better be very, very careful how you talk about people in your church. God loves those people even if you don't. You begin to get sour and cynical. You may have been stung by their betrayals, by their slanderings. You may be frustrated. But I want to say to you this morning that you can stifle the voice of God if you lose your servant's heart. In the book of Ezekiel, the Bible says, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? And how many people does this happen to where life gets reduced to feeding ourselves? We're concerned for, as Pastor Foley preached, our security. We're concerned for what's going to happen to us. We are in the me season of our life. We've done the sacrifice. we paid the price. We've done everything for everybody else. And now we're in the me season of life. We feel like we've earned it. We feel like we deserve it. But you're going to die if you allow that mentality to lay hold of your heart. The third thing you need to do if you're going to consistently hear from God, is you have to remain submitted to authority in your life. Rebels do not hear from God, but they think they do. You know the story in the book of Numbers, chapter 16. 
They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the congregation of the Lord? So when Moses heard this, he fell on his face and spoke to Korah and all of his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. That one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. Korah said, No problem with that. As a matter of fact, he believed that Moses was going to go down. In his pride, in his rebellion, he was saying, no problem, I guess we will find out for, uh, uh, who's hearing from God. Korah fully believed uh, in his pride and arrogance uh, that he could step out from underneath God's authority for his life uh, and he could hear from God. He wasn't fearful at all. Saul had long since stopped listening to Samuel when he was alive. He began to disregard the authority of the prophet. He began to take the words of instruction from Samuel lightly. He began to twist them and manipulate them into his own personal agenda. I don't have time to cite all of the examples. Many of you are familiar with them. He began to disregard the authority of the prophet in his life. You better be very careful in life who you follow. You better be very careful in life and very cognizant of how God views authority and rebellion. The tragedy of rebellion is not just that rebels end up in heartache, but it is those who follow them who don't make the correct judgment about what rebellion is. You better learn in your life to call rebellion what it is and get as far away from it as you can. I don't care if it's a brother or a sister. I don't care if it's a person who followed up on you and gave you money and gave you a job and helped you. How many times have you heard someone say, well, yeah, they may not be doing that good and I understand, but they really helped me when years ago when nobody else would help me. They helped me. And on and on it goes. You better learn to judge rebellion. And don't be afraid of the offense that it may cause or the rancor that may come your way. You want to hear from God in your life. You better stay submitted and in right relationship to the authority that God has placed over you. Because, and they're going to love this on Slam the Door, God doesn't talk to rebels. Rebels live in their own world of self-delusion. What they claim is the voice of God is nothing more than their own self-will, and that is great preaching. In Saul's rebellion, he cut himself off from the God-ordained meaningful relationships of his life. The people that really could help him, he cut off Samuel, he cut off David. He was estranged from his own son, Jonathan. Uh, I would say these would be the three uh, of the most prominent relationships uh, God ordained. Uh, imagine if he had kept his heart right. How much help would come his way at this crucial moment? 
who would not be willing to lay their lives down for the king. But because of his rebellion, he has separated himself from these meaningful relationships. And the only ones he has around him now are flunkies. Does that sound familiar? The Bible says in the text, Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who's a medium that I may go to her. And his servant said, Yeah, there is one. There's, a one. There's nobody around him that'll jam him. He's got servants that'll do whatever he wants and thinks he's great. They know about banishing the mediums, but as soon as he calls for one, they're doing his bidding. They go with him to consult with this medium. In verse 16, the Bible says, Why then do you ask me? Seeing the Lord has departed from you, Saul, and has become your enemy, Samuel said. And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor. David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Samuel was God's authority over his life. It was God's word through Samuel uh, uh, that Saul violated and compromised uh, and rebelled against. Uh, Saul came to a point in his life uh, where he no longer had respect. Uh, he no longer had regard uh, for the spiritual authority over his life. Uh, can I say to you, Pastor, uh, you better maintain that precious relationship. Uh, you better guard it with integrity uh, and stay submitted disciple. Uh, you better watch out uh, for rebellion encroaching upon your heart. Uh, you better watch out for the voices who want to rise up and begin to undermine authority. I want to close by talking to you about our challenge today. First of all, there's a challenge to the congregation. You need to pray for your pastor that you'll be able to hear from God through his life. You need to be in prayer about that every day of your life. God, help my pastor. Speak to his heart. God, I expect that when I come to church, uh, I'm going to hear the voice of God. I'm going to hear the word of God just like Cornelius. What a great uh, uh, attitude. What a great approach. Uh, a great approach in which to come to church. Uh, we are all gathered here, uh, Peter, uh, to hear the words that God would say through you to our lives. Uh, and if you're going to hear from God in your life uh, as a member of a congregation, you need to be praying for your pastor. Uh, because if he doesn't hear from God, you won't. And there are two things I want to close with. The first is that you're going to have to make this the determining factor in your life. This is what I'm here for. I came to this conference not to see some snow, not to take a little vacation break, not just to see my friends, not just for fellowship, but I came to this conference because I am locked in a submarine on the bottom of the ocean. Unless I break through to God, there's no hope for my future or my life. This is what drives the kingdom of God. 
It is a clear-sounding word. It is God's voice. Jacob, uh, uh, the Bible says about him in Genesis, uh, and Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke to him, uh, Bethel. Uh, the word Bethel, as you know, means the house of God. Uh, this is what the house of God is for, whether it's in a storefront uh, or it's in a, a tent. Uh, no matter where it is, this is why we're here. Uh, the altar is a place uh, where we respond to what God is saying. Uh, and this pulpit is a place uh, where the Word of God goes forth uh, and brings uh, timely deliverance and guidance and direction and salvation uh, and healing to our lives. This is a sacred element. And if you're going to hear from God, not only does it have to be the determining factor, but you're going to have to position yourself and get your heart ready to hear from God. Some of you may not even have thought about that this morning. Let's see, who's preaching? Stevens, Marks, Campo... Yeah, I think I can stay awake during that. You need to learn to show respect for what's happening here. You don't get up at an altar call unless there's some kind of serious emergency. You pay attention. You open your heart. You stay alert. You stay awake. Because the issue... In this arena here today is what is going to win out in the battle between self-will and what God wants. You're going to hear from God today? Are you going to hear what He wants to say to your life and not what you want to hear? Hearing the Word of God sometimes is painful. We have to listen to truth. And truth stings. We have to respond to things. We thought we were okay when we came to church last night, but we end up broken before God. I am desperate. I'm not even sure I'm saved. I have banished my whole congregation. Lord, help me. And I knew about that sermon for weeks. There's a woman, as I close, I want to share this one story with you. There's a woman in the Norwich Church in England named Bernadette Kant. I've known her for many years since my days in uh, England. She's been a member of that church for many, many years. But she actually got saved before she moved to England and in New Zealand. And shortly after she got saved, became a Christian, got her heart right with God and repented, she went on an outing with some other uh, uh, people from her church. It was a white water rafting outing and so in the conversation that they had as they're uh, getting ready to uh, uh, go on this trip and as they're on the trip they had a conversation about what to do when you get caught in a whirlpool because in a river that is moving rapidly there's these whirlpools uh, and the the uh, instruction was that to get caught in a whirlpool the tendency is going to be to fight it you're going to struggle and if you do that, you're going to end up getting exhausted, uh, spending all your energy, and you'll end up drowning. What you need to do uh, is you need to surrender to the current of that whirlpool because it will throw you into calm water at the bottom, uh, and you can kick out and get to the surface. Sure enough, they're on this whitewater river trip in their boat. Bernadette gets thrust out ends up in a whirlpool and immediately her instinct began to kick in she starts fighting this and then she remembers what was said and she surrendered 
And sure enough, uh, the whirlpool threw her out uh, down to the bottom in calm water. She kicked out uh, and she survived. Uh, and sometimes a word from God is just like that. It will save your life. Uh, you may very well be in a whirlpool uh, of your own carnality. Uh, you may very well be this morning in a whirlpool uh, of self-deception, uh, of self-will. Uh, you may be in a whirlpool of rebellion. Uh, what you need this week is a timely word uh, to get you off the bottom of the ocean out of that submarine uh, and break uh, uh, through to the surface uh, and to victory. And that's exactly what God has for you uh, if you will take time uh, to posture yourself uh, to hear from God. Uh, the question is, can you still hear from God? Amen. The Lord bless you. Pastor Marks is coming.